We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, what's going on? Welcome to the Average Breakdown Podcast. I'm Ryan Roberts, Director of Recruiting here at the site, joined by my man, Sean Davis, Recruiting Analyst at IrishBreakdown.com, as well as the co-host of the Lucky Lefty Podcast. Make sure to go to the CFB CFB Nation YouTube channel. Make sure to check out all the content on YouTube, as well as go to the CFB Nation on any of your podcast platforms. Give a listen to Lucky Lefty, leave five-star reviews, all that good stuff as well. Sean, we got a busy show today, man. I know it's uh, it's a little bit of an odd day in the sense that we ha- you guys had the practice availability, obviously, yesterday and on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, you have the pro day. Saturday, you have the open practice. Thursday's a little bit of a weird day, though, right? Because we don't have any access to anything. So yeah. it's a little bit of a disjointed conversation, but I think we can really kind of center in on a few of the key elements that we're going to see over the next couple of days. So one pro day, the 2023 NFL draft prospects for the Notre Dame fighting Irish. A lot of people question the validity and how much pro days matter. Well, I'm here to tell you they do. <laughs> they, they matter quite a bit. So we're going to preview some of the pro day participants for Notre Dame Tomorrow on Friday, which Sean, you will be there for the pro day, or will you not? I be will. There? Yeah, I will be there, be there for the pro day and yep. the practice on Saturday. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Awesome. So Sean and Brian will both be there live. I know Sean Styers was at the practice yesterday as well, so he might be, you know, kind of meandering around down there as well. So we'll have full coverage on it. But obviously, Sean, we want to talk about some of the combine, uh, some of the pro day participants, what they have on the line, what they need to show, what they could showcase to NFL evaluators to really get themselves in a good position. Because really, about five weeks now from the 2023 NFL draft officially kicking off, which is pretty wild to think about. And then, of course, one thing that we talk don't talk enough about each and every year on the uh, first week of, of spring practice beginning is that this is a massive recruiting few days for, for Notre Dame as well. So there's 2024 recruits that are going to be on campus. There's 2025. There was a young man, Bodie Cahoon, out of the state of Virginia, linebacker, who was on, ca- on campus yesterday for the first day of spring practice. So we're going to update you all on some of the key recruits that are going to be on campus in the next couple of days, as well as give you an update on Bodie Cahoon. And of course, at the end, we'll hit a mailbag. So end these in the chat, throw the mailbag questions in there, and we will hit as many as we possibly can for you all today. But Sean, pro day, man. I know we both had the chance to be there last year. I don't have the chance to be here with you guys this year, unfortunately. But for me, man, pro day is always a fun conversation because, I mean, we're meandering around and we're going to see, you know, you guys are going to see tomorrow scouts from several teams. I imagine most teams will be well represented tomorrow. You're going to see some general managers. You're going to see the whole gamut, man. So I think it's just a really cool vibe for the ability to just kind of see some of these players really show out in front of some NFL evaluators, NFL scouts, and just, you know, see how some decision makers really interact with them. And you, cause they're so bad with body language, man. You can see some guys <laughs> sometimes where they're just like, Oh, that's nice. Like, I like that. Right. And then they're going to bring back the reports of the boss. And then at the end of April, they may draft their players. Right. So let yeah. me, um, Sean, I mean, just your excitement, man. How excited are you for the pro day? I'm excited because I remember being there with you last year, and we had one of the biggest stories of the NFL draft, right? Coming out of the combine, it was what is Brandon Joseph, well, not Brandon Joseph, but Kyle Hamilton going to run in his 40. Yeah. That every, that's pretty much what everybody was there to see. And I remember his first run, and you look at me <laughs> and make this face. And I'm like, oh, boy. Ultimately, this is the beauty of it, right? The NFL draft, in my opinion, is is fair and unfair. For guys like Kyle Hamilton, who have put forth Michael, – Michael Mayer might be in that same, same boat – that put forth nothing but production on tape, right? And good film, yeah. And good film. And then you get to the point where people want to break down and critique their athleticism at 40 times and all of that and start to question the film and tape. And they end up going to good situations. That's that's the fair part. Players like that fall, and even though you feel like they should have been drafted in the top 10, they end up falling to teams, playoff teams, good situations, 
teams yep. with good history at certain positions. The Ravens have a very good history with their secondary and their secondary players. So it was a perfect fit for Kyle Hamilton. And you might see the same thing with Michael Mayer if people start to believe the hype of Kincaid and some other guys. He might fall to a Dallas Cowboys, right? Yeah. They've added the wide receivers. Now they need to bring in that tight end. Or let's say he falls to Green Bay or it's another team to play. Heaven forbid if he falls to the Chiefs or something like that. I mean, it's just the, the draft ultimately is fair and unfair. And usually it's fair to some really good football players that end up, you know, not being top 10 like they should have, yeah. but they end up on good teams. So I, I'm envisioning now, Sean, for because pe- I don't think people know this. But last year, the Kansas City Chiefs ran about as much 12 personnel as anybody in football. They were throwing out, they were throwing Noah Gray out there on top of Travis, Travis Kelsey, obviously. Now Sean has me envisioning Michael Mayer and Travis Kelsey in 12 personnel for the Kansas City Chiefs. It's, it's in my mind now, man. I, I don't think he's ultimately going to get there, but there is some overthinking that's happening. He's absolutely correct on that. I mean, we saw what happened with Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton was a top five player in the last year's class to me. And again, he's a safety. I wasn't going to predict him to go top five in the class, but he should have went in the top 10. He should have. He ends up going number 14 to the Baltimore Ravens, as you said, Sean. And I mean, I'm not a pro football focus guy, right? But he <laughs> ended up being the highest ranked safety in pro football focus history, man. History yeah. as a rookie. So, I mean, all that to say is Kyle Hamilton was overthought. I think Michael Mayer is quite a bit overthought this year. Mm-hmm. Still think yep. he goes in the first round. Still think he's the first tight end off the board. But there is some overthinking that happens. So, Sean, pro day tomorrow. Participants that we are expecting. Michael Mayer. And each of these players we'll talk about, they're going to be different level of participation during this event, right? So, Michael Mayer, Isaiah Foskey. You got the Adam Alola twins, Jason and Justin. You got Brandon Joseph. You got Jared Patterson, you got Tariq Bracey, Josh Lug, and then you expect Houston Griffith to also be out there. I don't know if I don't know if the kicker is going to be out there. I have no idea if Lake Groupie is going to be out there. Maybe, possibly kicking kicking a little bit, but regardless, we're, we're not going to cover him too much because honestly, for my scouting background, NFL draft background, Sean, I don't I don't evaluate kickers. I'm sorry, I'm just not very good at that. So that's where we are, man. So. Sean, I'll let you start us off here, man. Cool. We need to talk a little bit about what we are looking for, what players need to prove, kind of an overcompassing conversation. Who should we start with? Let's start with Isaiah Foskey. Okay. Let's start with Foskey because I think he let me let me tell you why. Yeah. I had this conversation recently with the pro day, and as the pro days get better at Notre Dame it will start to match up with what we see on the field in the fall. Like there's, there's a clear, clear link to pro days, especially at the quarterback position, right? Next year, Notre Dame has a chance of actually having a quarterback at a pro at the pro day that actually is getting drafted for the first time in a long time. Oh, well, since Ian book. Yeah. And we, <laughs> but we didn't, we didn't expect Ian to get, that was questionable at that point. Yeah, yeah, Whether not that high. Really Definitely not that high. Yeah. Not that high. So this is what I'm talking about. Like the pro day as it increases and the value of the Notre Dame pro day increases, which we fully expect in the coming years. 
you'll start to see that line up with college football playoffs and getting the championship games. It should align. And that's why I want to talk about Isaiah Foskey because it's still a good look for Notre Dame to have two first-round picks. That's a good look. Yeah. And will Isaiah Foskey give Notre Dame that second first-round pick? That's why I think he's one of the greatest conversation pieces amongst the guys at the Pro Day. What does he have to do? I mean, he did about as athletically – I mean, I don't know if he could have tested any better at the NFL Combine coming in at his height and weight. You know, maybe it is a team that falls in love with him in an interview or during that time talking to him tomorrow at the Pro Day. But I think what he does up close and personal tomorrow is going to give teams another opportunity. Um, preferences and types are something that you always talk about. Yeah. Right? So he is a, a Pittsburgh Stiller type. He is a, I'm trying to think, types. He might be a 49ers type. Yeah. I can right. see him fitting into the New Orleans Saints as well. Kind of like Saints, how they use yes. Marcus Davenport. I can yes. see them use him very similar. Because Davenport, Absolutely. although Davenport's like 6'6 and sub change when he was with the Saints, he was more of a stand-up rusher, which is kind right. of more what Isaiah is comfortable at. Yeah. But, Sean, I mean, I think you hit on a, a key note here is that some players are going to have different levels of participation. You're not going to see Isaiah Foskey do any free tests in anything. I, I don't. I really. I would be absolutely shocked if he retested because, to your point, at six five and an eighth, three hundred sixty four pounds, three hundred sixty four, two hundred sixty four pounds. Excuse me, thirty four inch arms. He had a four five eight in the forty yard dash, which is excellent. A one six six ten yard split for him is excellent. Yes. Thirty four inch vert, which is very good for him. 10-5 broad, which is excellent for him. 7-2-8 three-cone, which was a good time, man, for a guy his size and style. I expect him to be a little tight. And he ran a nice three-cone. 4-4-1 shuttle is a rock-solid time. And he did 22 reps on the bench with, again, with 34-inch arms. It's a pretty good number, pretty man. Good number. Yeah, so Isaiah Foskey did everything you need to. He's not going to retest. I really doubt he will. But the key parts here, Sean, and you hit on one part of it, is that he's going to have the ability to talk to NFL scouts and evaluators, right? He's going to have the ability to talk to those decision makers on hand. So presenting himself the right way in person, it's going to be a big time, just like it was at the Combine, just like it will be on the top 30 visits that happen. You want to hear his story a little bit. You want to see how things fit, like all that type of stuff, right? And then I'm sure that he's going to participate in the field drills, the on-field stuff. So when they get to the defensive line drills, when they get to – I'm sure some teams will even ask him to – dropping the coverage a little bit. So they might ask him to go through some coverage drills. For Isaiah, I think it's about showing showing comforts in doing those things, right? Like you don't have to look like the most stellar pass coverage player of all time. You just need to look like you're not a deterrence, right? Like you need to look like you're solid enough to maybe have to do it occasionally. So he aces the on-field stuff from the position drills, and you present yourself the right way. I'll be very honest, Sean. I still don't think Isaiah Foster is going to get drafted in the first round, but yeah. it's a more realistic conversation than it was early on in the draft process after the way he tested. Because you know yeah. he's going to interview well. He tested well. He's got the size. He's got all the upside. I just think that there's still going to be some second thoughts about like just how far along he is as a player. So I think – does he have a lot to prove? 
Not a ton, in my opinion. I just think that it's more about just kind of capping things off. Put that exclamation point next to your draft process. This time last year, Sean, I remember talking about like Kyle Hamilton, for instance, and Kyron Williams and being like, man, they just didn't have great draft processes, right, for the most part. It just wasn't great. Isaiah Foskey's had a great draft process. He did about as well as he could have in Indianapolis. Senior Bowl was very mixed reviews, but you still saw the upside. Combine was very good. I think it's more than anything, it's about putting the exclamation point this uh, tomorrow during the pro day. And we already mentioned the Chiefs, but I can see after getting Carl Loftus and losing Frank Clark and continuing to go young on the defensive line, I can see the Chiefs taking a chance on Isaiah Foskey if they want to go defense. Yep. Which, which is going to be very interesting. His ability to drop into coverage. I think he did it enough to whereas I think he has the capabilities and it's just a matter of getting used to having to do it a little bit more. But I think he's a first round talent. Oh, he's definitely a first round talent. I There's never I think if he had shown up if Isaiah Foskey had two sacks against Ohio State, he goes in the first round for sure. It's possible. It's very That's possible. just my opinion. I'll even go this far, Sean. I don't even think it's about Ohio State. If he would have went to the Senior Bowl and had a consistent week, I think he'd be in the first round right now. It was just it was up and down. You know, you didn't see yeah. the growth from the end of the season to where he is now as much as you want to as an NFL evaluator. That's kind of where you are, That's right? That's fair. Because you're looking at it from a standpoint of being in front of the decision makers. Yes. And But if they saw consistency, it would have lined up with you being the all-time sack leader at Notre Dame. Yep. And what they've seen from film. Okay. Every, every box would have been checked. Not yeah. every box is checked. Most boxes yeah. are checked, which is why I think he'll end up going earlier, you know, earlier than some people think. But I still I I just I think he's more early second round type of player as we are sitting right now. But again, anything could happen. You mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs, they're the ultimate wild card. I keep mocking them a tight end with that last pick to kind of groom with Kelsey and be like yeah. the second fiddle to him for a year. But I mean, I could see a defensive end getting drafted. I could see, you know. It, it's it, it's possible, right? But I think that the Ohio State game is a good point. I also think he didn't have a great game against Syracuse, against Matthew Bergeron, who's going to get drafted pretty early. I just don't think against any – Blake Freelands for BYU, I feel like he didn't do much against him. Right. Like every legitimate prospect at offensive tackle this year, Isaiah didn't really have a great game. Like that's just kind of the point blind to it. He beat up on the North Carolinas of the world who just don't have those type of guys at offensive tackle. But regardless, man – the kid, I'll, I'll I'll even take it this far, Sean. You said he's a first round talent. He's a top fifteen talent in this class. Just Absolutely. pure physical traits. Easy. Absolutely. Tyree Wilson might be the first edge off the board over Will Anderson, which is going to shock some people. Isaiah Foskey is much more talented than than Tyree Wilson. Wilson. Much yes. more talented. Yes. There's no doubt. But you know that's kind of where we are. So, but I think Isaiah's had a good process. He's still going to get drafted pretty high. Slam dunk top fifty pick in my opinion. Probably more of a top forty pick when it's all said and done. Just he's on the borderline of that late first, early second round conversation. Yeah. Michael Mayer, want to want to head to Michael? Let's do it. Arguably the greatest tight end in Notre Dame history, in a school that has produced tight ends as well as anyone historically. Name all the names, man. Dave Casper, Mark Bavaro, Tyler Reifert, John Carlson, Anthony Cassano, yeah. Irv Smith Sr. Just name them all, man. Great tight end producers Notre Dame is. Yeah. 
the question here has been this whole offseason and why people are poking holes in Michael Mayer is some people question how dynamic of an athlete he is. And I get it, right? Like, I get it. Michael Mayer is not ever going to be Kyle Pitts as an athlete. He's never going to be Brock Bowers as an athlete. But he's a great athlete in other attributes, right? The flexibility he has as a route runner, his ability to win up the ladder and pluck the football out of the air. The the nuances of the position is what I think sticks out about Michael Mayer. What can he prove tomorrow, Sean? I think that the biggest thing for Mayer is because he will have to do two tests tomorrow. He did most of it. I don't think he's going to retest. He ran 4-7 flat at the combine, which was fine. His jumps were fine. Like Everything was fine in that department, right? He checked boxes. He has to do two drills, and I just think he's going to do pretty well at. One is the three-cone. One is the short shuttle. I think the biggest misnomer, and this is my opinion, about Michael Mayer's game mm-hmm. after watching the film is that he's a tight athlete. Like he Ooh. can't change direction well. I think that's ludicrous, man. I think he runs routes as well as any tight end in the 2023 NFL draft, in my opinion. He gets in out of breaks. He's smooth. I think he's going to ace those tests, do well in both of those departments. You kind of yeah. put the last check on the athletic testing because he tested a lot better than people want to give him credit for, but that's another conversation for a different time. And then it's all about the on-the-field stuff, man. Just catch the football consistently all day. I think he has a chance to just solidify first-round status. Like I think he's already solidified it, but like just, again, we're putting exclamation points. This is the last part of the process. I think Michael Mayer has a chance to put an exclamation point. I still think he's going to be the first tight end drafted. I don't think it's as clear-cut as it should be. Be very under, be very forthcoming with that. Yeah. But Michael, Michael Mayer is excellent, man. I don't think there's any – I haven't heard a single person actually have an issue with his film per se, Sean. It's about his athletic upside, right, his athletic upside, which I think is, again, a little bit overstated. Michael Mayer is a different type of tight end than what Kyle Pitts is, a different type of tight end than a Darren Waller, like those super freaky dudes. But you still need the Jason Witten types, man. You still need those guys. Like they're really good football players. And that's what I think Michael Mayer is. That's why I think he has a chance to solidify tomorrow. There are all types of tight ends. Like we see it in recruiting classes. There's like three or four different types of tight ends each and every year. And you have to decipher which type of guy or talent you want to ultimately choose out of the four or five guys that you like. That's the same thing when you're going through this process. Kincaid is a totally different tight end than Michael Mayer, right? So it's almost like comparing apples to oranges. Now, if it comes to what you want or what you're looking for in the system or how you're trying to get certain production out of your offense and that's what you prefer, a tight, yep. then go ahead and make the wrong move. If, if that's what you want to do. But if you're just going after the best tight end in the class, the best tight end in the country over the last two years, there's no debate that Michael yep. Mayer is that guy. I, I would venture to say that there's more left in the tank for Michael Mayer that has been uncovered. If you ask me, because of the quarterbacks that he's played with, I don't yes. think he's played with quarterbacks that have really allowed him to explore the full route tree at Notre Dame as a tight end. If he gets into the right position or the mm-hmm. right situation with the right quarterback, I think you see Michael Mayer explode upon the NFL. Yeah, I really do. I think they're going to be like, oh, man, this kid is having a heck of a season. I think he'll be in the running for offensive rookie of the year. Absolutely. And if he goes to a team that has a young quarterback, then that young quarterback has a heck of a blanket. Yes. A safety blanket now on that offense to look at on third downs and uh, key situations. So he 
because of the position, he's a top 10. If you're just rating talent, he's top, top 10, 10 talent. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can just rank it the talent. But he, based he, on the position and everything else, yeah. he shouldn't go any lower than the teens, in my opinion. Yeah, I, th- I think that the, the sweet spot for Michael Mayer begins in this draft, Sean. I think the New England Patriots are the 14th pick, I believe. Uh-huh. And then someone has the 15th pick that also needs a tight end. I can't remember who it is. I can't remember who it is. Uh, come on, come back to me. Green, Green Bay Packers. Green yes. Bay Packers. So the Packers and the Patriots have that little bubble right there in the middle of the teens where you're just like, that makes a lot of sense. And then you get up into the twenties and there's the Cincinnati Bengals of the world. And you know, some other teams like that, regardless, I don't think he falls out of the first round. I think the teens is where you start having the conversation about Michael Mayer. And I think that, I think that he's going to be just fine come draft day, but you know, about solidifying things for the pro day, which I think is important, obviously for him, because the one thing we heard at the combine, Sean, this is just, this is why it's just so ridiculous to me personally, right? You're like production, great film competitor. And by the way, he was one of two players that were talked about the most during combine week as just acing interviews, man, just acing them. So there's just not many holes in his game. Yeah, he's not going to run four five flat in the forty yard dash, but four seven flat with his play style is just good enough. I mean, T.J. Hawkinson went top ten a few years ago, and he was a four seven flat guy. And I would say Michael Mayer had better film coming out of college than what Hawkinson had coming out of Iowa. So that's kind of where we're at. And Sean, another key point that you made, I actually put this on Twitter yesterday because I think people have just known. They've known his name for so long that there's this thing that happens that we call analysis paralysis, where you just know too much information about a guy, right? And you just watch too much, and it kind of muddles your thoughts a little bit. Michael Mayer is, but I'm I'm probably missing a couple birth dates in our database at RisingDraft.com, but he is the second youngest tight end in the 2023 NFL Draft. This kid's 21 yeah. years old. We're forgetting yeah. this for a second, man. It's not yeah. like this kid's like 24 years old. You're like, I don't know how much upside he has. Like he's legitimately still only 21 years old. That's And that's insane. And once again, you look at the run that you just talked about of teams early in the teens. Yeah. If he doesn't go there, then you're talking about him getting into the 20s. And you look at the first six picks in the 20s, if you allow him to go to those offenses, it's a problem. Yeah. Like, look, start at 20 and go down the next six teams or just go down the full 20 to 32 or 31 because Miami forfeited their pick. Yeah. Sean, I, I, I'm I, just envisioning right now that the, if the NFL overthinks Michael Mayer, he lands into the Bengals' lap at pick 29 oh, or, or 28 oh. or whatever it is. Because the one thing is Mayer's from Kentucky. He lived he lived very close to uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, though, yes. right? So, I mean, he was talking at the podium, and he even said, like, Houday Nation, right? So, like, he, he grew up kind of a Bengals fan, right? Could you imagine Jamar Chase, T. Higgins – Tyler Boyd, and then, oh, by the way, Michael Bayer inside a tight end, man. Like, could you imagine that with all those one-on-one opportunities he's going to get against linebackers and some safeties occasionally? Like, that is just kind of silly to think about. But That's that's why good organizations in the NFL continue to eat. Yes. They, li- they live off the bad decisions of the bad teams. You just talked the- about the Bengals, Sean. You just yes. talked about the Bengals. How about this one? The Kansas City Chiefs, Sean. Everyone is super shocked that they had all these rookies that contributed last year. You know why they did? 
because they take the value when it's sitting in there and staring in the face. They got they got exactly. uh, George Karloftis with the 31st overall pick last year. Yes. 31st. Yes. And he ended up being very good as a rookie. They got Brian Cook, who played a lot for them out of Cincinnati. They got Joshua Williams out of Fayetteville State that played a lot for them as a rookie. They got Leo Chennault, who was a monster in the Super Bowl out of Wisconsin, in the third rounds. Good teams take good players and don't overthink about it, man. Like, that's just it's where they we are, they, man. They just stole Drew Tranquil. Yeah. For San Diego to upgrade the linebacker position. And that linebacker position was already good. And now you're just like, okay, cool. <laughs> That's, dude, look, this is why the NFL, bad organizations always make bad decisions when it comes to the draft. As much as we want to focus on free agency and all the draft is the heartbeat of the NFL, right? It comes to pro days. That's why one of the things I'm looking forward to Something we looked at. Who's running the drills? You talk right. about Isaiah Foskey. What teams are the ones walking up asking him to do certain things at this pro day? Right. That is going to be telling to see who really has an early interest in him. Like whoever runs the drills and they're going to ask him to do certain things. Those are the teams that might be tipping it off that we're looking at him early. If not early, then definitely in that second round. It's the same thing with Michael Mayer. I'm very interested in seeing which team is going to ask him to run a certain route. And also someone asked in the chat, I think, this, who will throw into Michael Mayer tomorrow? I, I'm not a, I'm not exactly sure. I did star that to try to hit on it, but it's usually a past quarterback that does not have a job currently or a guy on the roster. So, the Sam Hartman able to throw? I mean, you have to give up a, a spring practice, I think, for that. I, I don't know if they would allow that to happen. But Jack, Is Jack playing in the XFL right now? He's playing in the XFL, but I think that he would be – I think he would be able to throw if oh, his team yeah. allowed him to. Yeah. So, yeah. so maybe Jack Cole comes back. I'm not sure. If not, cool. if not, you got the man Gino Gadouli at a quarterback coach now that can sell the ball a little bit. Gino, man. <laughs> he was slinging it yesterday during practice. It was good to see Kyle Hamilton. It was, there were a lot of old um, ex uh, ex Notre Dame players at the practice yesterday supporting, and it yeah. was really good to see. So I expect the current players will man. That's the cool thing because we're on a lower level, and yeah. the, the upper tier is going to be once they're done with their classes. You'll see the current Notre Dame players start to come in and watch and yeah. cheer their guys on. It's it's a cool atmosphere. Oh, I remember. Remember last year, Sean, in the Raptors, there were um, in the Raptors there were the safety group that was talking to Chris O'Leary like during yeah. the pro day. Remember, yeah. like it, that, yeah. that is the cool part, man. Yeah. That is the cool part. I actually, t- uh, I was talking ball with Tariq Bracy this morning a little bit because he's preparing. He's back in South Bend now, yeah. getting ready for tomorrow. We'll talk about him in a second, but I, I want to work through the other two guys that were at the combine, Sean. So Brandon mm-hmm. Joseph is one Northwestern transfer, spent one year at Notre Dame, and Jared Patterson's the other. Do you have a preference on where we go here? Who, who do you want to talk about next? Let's stay on a positive path. Let's go Jared Patterson. Okay. Jared Patterson, who ended up being a four-year starter at the University of Notre Dame, three years inside its center, and then one year as the starting right guard for the team. He went to the Senior Bowl, Sean. 
this process kind of leading up to here, I thought that Jared had a up and down senior bowl. There was some good. I thought when they left him at center, he looked pretty good during the senior bowl. But then when they moved him to guard, I just don't think he's a guard, man. Like, I just really don't. It's nice that you show the ability to maybe spot it at some times. Like, injury, Jared, you got to go in for a couple snaps. Like, cool, man. That's fine. But he is the center, in my opinion. I think that he looked a lot more comfortable at the senior bowl. Combine, it was an up-and-down performance. I said, like, it was solid but unspectacular was kind of how I coined it. He had a 29-and-a-half-inch vert, and he weighed in at the senior bowl at six foot five. 306 pounds, 31 and 3 eighth inch arms, which is why he's an interior offensive lineman. He has shorter arms, smaller wingspan, but an 810 broad jump, which is good for his size. 29 and a half inch vert, which is good for an offensive lineman. 22 reps on the bench is rock solid. The other drills were a little bit under, un, they, they weren't great. Like the 40 time was fine. He ran 5-3-3. It's not a great time, but the 10 yard split was pretty good. 182 is a solid number. But then he had the the short agility stuff, Sean. So he did the 5-10-5, which is the short shuttle, and then the L drill or the three cone, however you want to kind of phrase that one. I've heard it called a bunch of different things in my in my time. So those numbers were both not great, right? Like they were both under under below average numbers for Jared. So I would say it's been a very uneven process for Jared Patterson so far. I am actually interested to see, because you don't usually see offensive linemen retest at these types of things, but I'm interested if he just retests the short area stuff, because I think that that stuff is a little bit more important than like the 40 time. He never has to run a 40 again in his life. Like there's no reason to ever do that again, but maybe he redoes, redoes the shuttle. Maybe he redoes the three cone. That might be a conversation, but more than anything, I want to see him in the field work, man. I want to see more than anything. I want to see him getting snaps. I still think that there's something there with Jared Patterson as a center. It's just his – I want to say this about being as nice as possible because Jared Patterson was a real good football player for Notre Dame, man. He was. Mm -hmm. was, And he was a four-year starter. You don't start at the University of Notre Dame for four years if you're not a good football player. I just want that to be understood. Facts. But Jared did kind of level off in his career. Didn't like keep eking up and getting better, getting better, getting better. He did kind of level off a little bit. So I think for me, this conversation is about let's look good in the field drills. Maybe you redo the short area stuff. But more than anything, Jared Patterson needs to sell himself as a student of the game because I think he's a center, Sean. And at center, mental side, the intelligence, that stuff matters so much. So I think Jared Patterson has a little bit on the line during the pro day. I think that this is going to be an important opportunity for him to be amongst those scouts, amongst those GMs, and really sell himself as a person, as a player, and as a as an IQ level guy as well, like a guy that can really think on the fly and have that mental capacity part down. I think it's one of the most important things when you look at most mocks and breakdowns of Jared Patterson. I think he's in that fourth round range and for him because of that leveling off we expected that if he took the next step forward and you were talking about someone that was first round early second round yeah right top, that was top 50 type of top range, 50 on type of range yeah. levels off could have been because of injury this year uh, okay but you saw some of that late in his junior year so i think he gives you extreme value though Yes. As a as a fourth round pick on the NFL offensive line, right? Because he does give you some versatility, guard to guard. He does. I like him better at center, but he can play guard in a pinch, especially early. To me, he seems like the type of kid you bring in, let him develop, 
And then he once he gets to the get used gets used to the NFL, he kind of takes off from an NFL standpoint because he's extremely smart. Yes. And he has the Harry He Stands stamp. That that right there means a lot when it comes to evaluators. They'll look at the film and they'll look at the history of others that have gone before him that might have Robert Hainsey, right? Yeah. Robert Hainsey, he's a right tackle. People say, man, we might have to kick him inside. He struggles early on. Yep. He ends up playing guard, and then they lose the alt. They, they end up having to play him at center because he had that versatility coming from Harry Heastand. Jared Patterson, to me, is going to have the same type of value. Will he ever become an all-pro in the NFL? I don't know about that. Can he be part of a really good offensive line, though, in the NFL? I do think he can be part of a really good offensive line. He's big enough in the NFL to play center. Yeah. That's plenty big enough. Plenty big enough, yeah. So, and he's smart enough. Yes. He's smart enough. So, center was definitely probably his best position moving forward in the NFL. And it has, I think him in the fourth round, based upon what his projections were going into his senior year, if you're a team that can get a healthy Jared Patterson, you have to feel pretty good if you're getting him in the fourth round. Well, and that's the key for him is that, I, Sean, I think the, the struggle that I have a little bit with Jared at times is, does he not look quite as explosive as he did when he was younger because of the durability stuff? Or is it just the short term, like coming back from the injury conversation? Because like, right. you know, the end of this, we know that he battled injury, obviously, early in the year. Did he look a little sluggish or maybe not quite as as much of a giddy up in his step because he was coming back from that injury or is that more of a long-term effect from just so many durability concerns during his career? So that's the question I have. That's what you need to see, obviously. But I I think that the one thing about Jared is that again, four-year starter at a place like the university of Notre Dame has started at center has started at guard. There's not a good enough, good offensive lineman in the NFL to ignore that. There's not, right? So I think he ends up being a fourth to fifth rounder. I don't think he's going to go as high as as I once thought he could, especially after, dude, when he was a redshirt sophomore, I thought that dude was going to be a legit first round pick. I did. I did. But he leveled off, and he just didn't really get a lot better because when you're in college, it's about, you know, exponential progression, right? But he kind of just hit a little bit of a flat line. And the flat line I don't think was all his fault. Yeah. I don't think that the coaching on the offensive line during parts of his career was the best. And yeah. I think that he dealt with some injuries, right? So that's where we are with the Jared Patterson though. And I think that more than anything, Sean, I want to see him look good in the drills, but I really yeah. want him to sell his football intelligence in front yeah. of the, in front of those people, you know, because Absolutely. he needs to be a leader, man. He needs to have that leadership quality to him. So I still think he's going to go. I still think he's going to get drafted. It's just going to more be in the early to mid-day three range than once we well, – at one time we thought maybe first-rounder, but at yeah. least the day two pick, like second to third-round pick at least. So that's kind of where we are with Jared. Let's, let's move over hardest. to – yeah. Well, let, let's move over to, to Brandon Joseph, Sean. Yeah. I want to be nice here. I want to be nice. <laughs> J- Brandon Joseph was a guy that I thought in 2020 in his retro freshman year – Looked like a potential superstar, Sean. He was an All-American. He was phenomenal that year. Then he had a kind of an up-and-down sophomore year, but, I mean, he still had like 80 tackles and like three interceptions. And, like, he was still good, you know, all Big Ten performers still. 
this year we know the deal, you know, like we don't have to revisit it too much. He was banged up a lot, inconsistent other times. Like it just kind of seemed like he maybe tapped out a little bit later in the season. Like there's a lot of that stuff. Combine when I was there, Sean, we made the availability for him at first. I think this kid is very smart, like really, really good eye for the game. I really do. But then he goes on the field. <laughs> and he did not have a good showing, man. I mean, I'm looking at some of these numbers, six foot, 202 pounds at the, at the combine, only 30 and seven eighth inch arms. So he's got a short wingspan, man, short arms, four, six, two in the 40, which I was expecting four, five, eight, I think is what I put down. So like four, six, two is not a big deal to me. 30 and a half inch vert. I thought it was going to be a lot better than that. I thought it was going to yeah. be a more explosive athlete. Nine, 10 broad jump for context. That's seven inches shorter than Isaiah Foskey, who is 60 pounds heavier. Yes. Which isn't great. 7083 cone, just an average number. 423 20-yard shuttle, average number. 17 reps on the bench was a decent number, I guess. Like That's the positive of the workout, I think, is that he had a nice bench press. Um, t- um, he had a nice bench press number. Sean, another kid that I thought had the chance after his retro freshman year to be a superstar and to get drafted high, I entered this pro day. I'm not sure that he gets drafted. It's where I am with it right now. I thought thought early in the season, at worst, he's probably going to be a fourth-ish round pick to begin the season with the inconsistent year in 2021. But I saw no production in 2022. I saw a limited athletic profile. I saw a kid that, again, it's just my speculation. I think he kind of tapped out a little bit later in the season. What's the upside here, man? He hasn't been the same player in two years. Hasn't been the same player. I want to like him so bad because I listened to him talk. I asked him questions, and I think he knows the game inside and out, and I think he has a very good understanding. And he had 10 interceptions during his college career. So we can't act like he didn't have any production in college, right? He was very productive. But what have you done for me lately is the thing, right? So I think he's a day three football player. I think he has a chance to go and draft it, though. I, what what can he show in this conversation, Sean? I think he needs to retest. and I think he needs to retest in several of these events. You need to do the vertical again. You need to do the broad jump again. Maybe do the 40 again. I'm not as yeah. worried about the 40. I need to see the explosive numbers. I need to see the broad jump, vertical, and I hope I see some short area stuff redone. That's what I hope to see. But I think Brandon Joseph's in a little bit of trouble, man, if he doesn't have a big pro day. Can he recapture some of the things that have been lost? You talk about the film. You talk about how he's tested at the combine. I would do everything. Yeah. I would do everything over. Everything. I would hope to get a happy, you know, Notre Dame watch at at the pro day that would add a half a second or you know take a half a second away to get to the four or five get up to 20 reps on the bench you know that's easy to say go ahead and do three more reps at 225 go ahead you you can do it but if he can happen to get up to 20 and then most of all the broad jump and the vertical right his numbers are so low, I don't even know if getting up to 32, 33 inches on a vertical would mean anything to me at this point. It's like, okay, maybe you're just not that guy. Which- I, 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 I want to know why the numbers were so underwhelming, Sean. Like, was this a situation where 
We know he was banged up later in the season. So was this a repercussion of being banged up? Was this a lack of attention during training? Was he training? Like, there's just a lot of questions I have, man. Because that's that's hyperbolic, right? He was training for this. It's just, why were the numbers not great? I I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. And I will say this, though. If you go back and watch his film – when they allowed him to play downhill and close to the line of scrimmage, he looked good against Ohio State. Yep. He he, he did. You look at what he did, that first play from uh, line of scrimmage against Syracuse. He was playing almost in the disguise coverage, close to the line of scrimmage, and baited the quarterback, Schrader. Yep. Pick six. So that yes. might be understanding his lack, lack of athleticism. He's not a you know, free safety. He might be more of a strong safety. He might have to switch over into something like that. And Which is wild right. after watching his early career, man, because I thought yeah. that he was a legit. And yeah. I still think he does have some range in the back end. He just, maybe he's just not a good tester. I don't know. Not, I'm not sure. I mean, in what system, though? A cover three system? More of a zone system? Do man, he looked, he looked. In? I mean, you saw the flash against Syracuse where he was playing single high and he had that interception in the end zone that got called back. It's like, oh, yeah, there's some range there, man. I just, yeah, I, I, he's a true. weird player to me, man. He's that's a, a really call. weird player to me. But that goes back once again. Maybe someone falls in love with his smarts, right? And says, yo, if we can really get his game to be more anticipatory. Yeah. Rather than depending upon his athleticism, he'll get to he'll get to the spots he needs to get to because he knows the game. He has the ability to know the game. But you know, you take him into camp as an undrafted free agent, and <laughs> you let it roll. You know, because yeah. you, you that's a pretty that's a pretty talented undrafted free agent. No, it's a, it's a really and I I think that I I don't want this to get across uh you know come across wrong because I still think that there's something to Brandon Joseph it's just just wasn't present in 2022 nearly enough it, yeah. it's it, it's just yeah. kind of where we are with it man but I yeah. I think that uh, Sean like this is no fluff this is no BS like this is nothing right I talked to a lot of guys at the combine talked to a lot of safeties that day at the combine a lot of defensive backs. Brandon Joseph was arguably the, the the sharpest kid that I talked to that day. Like legitimately, man. Yeah. He knows the game. He sees it at an advanced level. Why was it not consistent in 2022? Why did he seem to disappear for games? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. Yeah. I know he was dealing with an injury. I know that that was kind of a mental setback for him. I know all those things. This is one of those things. This is one of those processes, though. Where if I'm an NFL team, I really need to sit down with Brandon and be like, yo, brother, like, what happened, man? Like, what happened? What, 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 why why were you inconsistent this year? Why did you miss a couple games? Like, I need to sit down with him, you know? So I think that those interactions are important. But he also needs to show that he's a hot, more high-caliber athlete than what he showed in Indianapolis because it just was not great. It was not great. But Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a shock that he tested as bad as he did on the broad jump and the vertical. Man, broad jump number was so bad. I mean, you, you mentioned that, bad too. that the interception that was overturned. I mean, he went up and got that. Yes. He went up and high pointed. So you expected him to have that leaping ability, 
you know, whether, you know, because vertical can come from two places. A lot of people think it's only about the calves with the vert, but, you know, your thighs yeah. can help, you know, bigger players. That's what bigger players get it from as well. So I'm just shocked, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really shocked that he didn't test well in those areas, but I don't know if he can make the jump necessary to really be right. impressive. He would have to improve by like five to six Go from like just, 30 to 35, 36. Or yeah. for me to say, oh wow. Okay, but, that's the guy I expected. We did we we have seen already this pro day season. Some guys make improvements like four inches, though. Like it does happen. It's weird, yeah. but it does happen. I mean, man, I just it's just I don't know, man. I, I'm just really struggling with Brandon Joseph a lot because I still think there's something there. But this is this is the point though, Sean. You cannot be not fast and not explosive. Can't be both together, man. You can't be both together. That is not a good situation to be in. It's you know? not a good situation to be in. You need to have one or the other. Having right. both is great. <laughs> that was know? that was the blessing with Kyle Hamilton. He might have been perceived as slow, but he was not perceived as non-explosive. Uh, now that kid had a what he he had a 10-10 broad and like a 30 38-inch vert or something like that, yeah. right? Kyle, uh, like 37 inch first, something like that. Like, yeah, he was he was very explosive. It yeah. was just the 40 time was not what people wanted to see. But right. that's Brandon Joseph. Charles, so let's work through some of the non-combine participants here, and we'll work through these a little bit quicker. Let's start with Tariq Bracey, who I think is an interesting one. So nickel, pretty ex- pretty exclusively this year. There were some opportunities to play outside. Like you think about the BYU game where he was playing outside to start the game. Gets the rangy interception working over top. He's played outside corner in his career, but like you know, at probably right around 5'10, 180 something pounds, like he's he's a nickel mostly on the uh-huh. professional level. So I talked to him this morning, Sean. He uh he's tra- he was trained out in California at Cal Cal Strength, I think is what it's called, where he was at. I, I forget exactly what it was called. But sounds like Tariq is expecting to show the place up a little bit tomorrow, man, and show, and showcase some athleticism. So a kid, though, he didn't get invited to any of the major all-star games. So he didn't go to the Ooh. Senior Bowl, didn't go to East-West, didn't go to the – to um, he didn't go to uh, the NFL PA Bowl in Pasadena. So he didn't get invited to any of the three major all-star games, and he didn't get invited to the Combine. This is a big opportunity for Tariq Bracey, man. He needs to showcase himself as an athlete. He needs to showcase himself as a young man, which I think the latter is easy. Like I think that he's going to come off as a very bright and intelligent young man. Yeah. But the, the this might be one of the biggest pro day performances potentially is for Tariq Bracey, who hasn't you haven't seen him this draft process yet. This is his opportunity to impress and maybe get a priority free agent opportunity at the next level. To the All Star games that you mentioned, in my opinion, like. Tariq Bracey should have been at least one of them. And he was good enough to be at the NFL Combine, in my opinion. So moving forward, Tariq is probably going to make a home in the NFL as a nickel, right? More than likely. Maybe he can go outside in certain positions with certain teams. The nickel, he he you're looking for Tariq to run really well. And I don't know what he expects to run, but if he sniffs 4-4, if he sniffs yeah. 4-4, it's a great day. It's a great day for him. I expect him to test well in agility. 
And look, his value in the slot and what he was able to do early in his career outside, and he played outside this year in certain situations, especially when Cam was injured. So yep. he has versatility. You know, I'm pulling, I'm pulling for Tariq tomorrow more than I'm pulling for anybody. Honestly. Yeah. I, I want him to have a fantastic day. I think he's a quality kid. I think he has leadership skills. And I just think he's one of those guys that goes to the NFL for Notre Dame and ends up playing for 10, 12 years. And you look up like, man, Tariq had a really nice career in the NFL. He's it, it's going to be really interesting because the testing's very important. I mean, I think you hit on one thing though, Sean. As a nickel, what translates to the next level is mu- so much is the short area stuff, right? So yeah. you need to see a good three cone. You need to see a good short shuttle. And I think the explosive stuff is pretty important as well. Like I want to see the broad jump being pretty good for his size, for the vertical. Like that short area stuff I think is really important because what's he doing? He's matching up with shorter, quicker slot receivers most of the time. He needs to show his ability to win in tight spaces and change direction adequately. Yeah. Or not adequately, plus. He needs to be plus in those areas. Yeah. So that's important. There are some durability stuff with Tariq that, like, mm-hmm. you know, you just need to quiet that stuff, obviously. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, this kid is is probably a priority free agent. He's probably going to get picked up after the draft just because yeah. of some inconsistent film and some durability stuff in his career. And the fact that he is a nickel only at the next level for the most right. part. Right. But, uh, Sean, I think that it is – it's a big, big chance for him, man. It really is. It really because is. if he tests well, you can go back and say – Hey man, like you get, you might not have watched me the first time around, Mister Scout. But go back and watch me against Jackson Smith and Jigba. Watch me a little bit against Joshua Downs. I talked to him about this this morning. His gauntlet of slot receivers he saw this year was pretty dang good, man. Like you, you saw Jackson Smith and Jigba. He saw Zay Flowers. He saw Joshua Downs. He even I, did Puka Nakua play for BYU. I can't remember if he played in that game. He came but, back that game, wasn't that his first game back? He may have come back in that game. If not, I think so. the coach. If not, the Cody Epps kid that's there is also a very good slot receiver. So he has saw the gauntlet of really good slot receivers in college football this year, and yeah. he did really well. Best film Agreed. of his career by far. And he showed Agreed. after a tough start, a tough middle section of his career, the last two years, man, he got back on track and he ended the year his career with his best season. So yeah. I don't think Tariq gets drafted, but I think showcasing his skills – Gets him an easy opportunity as a priority free agent. So I, I hope he capitalizes on it, man. I really I, hope I he think does. The, the nickel value, which is definitely a necessity in today's NFL. Yep. Like you said, um, seventh round to priority free agent. Yep. Definitely is the slot. And that's based upon how he tests. Uh, like I said, most people say, for, man, four, if he gets four or five, he runs a four, five, one. Four, five, three, something like that. That's very good. That's oh yeah, for him. For him. Yeah, it's more about the short area stuff for sure. Enough, he is a really solid tackler. That's especially at the slot. You think about guys like Mike Hilton that have made for the Bengals that have pretty much made a name for themselves at that nut, that nickel position. Um, yep. Oh, the kid that the the Bears just drafted from Washington. He didn't really Tyler run Gordon. well. Tyler Gordon. He didn't really yeah. run well, even though he played more defensive back. They put him at nickel exclusively and let him learn. He got scorched early, Ryan. I mean, he got <laughs> scorched early in the season, and then the light went on around week eight or nine, and it was like, okay, 
they have something with him and Brisker on his back end, and yep. now they moving forward, they feel pretty good about that. I think Tariq going to the right situation, the physicality, he's also a really good blitzer off the slot, has shown to be a good blitzer off the slot. He has some athletic ability that I think that will bode well for him moving forward. And, you know, he's going to have to probably sp- play special teams. Yes. Come up through special teams and, you know, work his way up and, and get get his opportunity and take advantage of it when he gets it. But, you know, that goes to his, his physical durability. Medicals are going to be important as well with Jared Patterson. So, oh. I, I think that's the reason why he needs to test well too, Sean, is that to your point, and it's 100% correct, he's going to have to make a name for himself early on as a special teamer, as a yeah. coverage unit guy. Yeah. So he doesn't have the length that you usually like in on coverage units, usually like a little bit of a taller guy, but yeah. overcompensating traits is something you hear me talk about all the time. If he is an athletic kid, though, you can overcompensate for the lack of length in some yeah. departments because he will tackle, yeah. and if he's a good athlete and he'll tackle, there's a place for you. Yep. So that, that is Tariq Bracey. Hopefully has a really nice day tomorrow during the combine, during the pro day. Sean, a couple other guys that we're expecting to see tomorrow. Joshua Lugg is one who's starting offensive guard. Also started a tackle during his career at Notre Dame. Expect a little bit of Houston Griffith as well, obviously, yeah. at safety for Notre Dame. I feel like I'm forgetting one person. Who's the last person I am forgetting? Am I forgetting someone? Is Chris Smith t- I'm not sure if Chris Smith is testing. I'm sure he will, and I wouldn't be surprised if Blake Groupie. Blake Groupie's in that kicking. Oh, the Adam Alolas. I I forgot the Adam Alolas. Let's backtrack. Let's backtrack, okay? Let's talk about Jason and Justin Adam Alola. I don't expect Bo Bauer should test as well, shouldn't he? Is he back healthy? I'm not sure. That's a good question. That's a good question. I'm not sure about that one. I mean, it's possible if Bo if Bo's healthy, then I, yeah. I'm sure he will. But I think the the let's backtrack to the Adam Malolas, Sean. Okay, Jason Adam Malola is one of the more fascinating evaluations I think of any of these players for Notre Dame in 2023 NFL draft. Yeah, he did go to the NFL PA Bowl. He got invited down to over to Pasadena. He had a really good week. Good week at Pasadena. I thought he was one of the better interior off defensive linemen there. All week. And then he went to the, the game. He had a sack and a tackle for loss and back-to-back plays in that game. So I'm looking at him, man, and I'm like, Jason has everything you need to be successful. He's 285-ish pounds plus. Like I, We'll see what he weighs in tomorrow, obviously. But he has decent length, over 33-inch arms, decent wingspan, taller than what he was listed at Notre Dame at times. He was 6'3 and 8th, I believe, at, at the – at the um at the NFL PA bowl, which was good to see. Athletic has some strength to him. Sean, his thing is always going to be about it didn't feel like he ever put it all the way together, right? Ooh. Where it's just like right. you have all the talent to be a really right. impressive producer at Notre Dame, but I don't think he ever hit that level at Notre Dame. So this opportunity for me, I think I, it's similar to Tariq Bracey. Chase Ambalola blows stuff up. You start looking at him late rounds like, hmm, maybe I take a shot there, right? Or at least priority free agent. Like, yeah, absolutely. Just Jason Abelolo is going to be in a camp. Like, there's no doubt about it. The question is whether he's a late round drafted guy or he's a priority free agent player. That's kind of the conversation that happens. But I think he has a chance to blow it up, man, because he is a really good athlete, in my opinion, on the interior defensive line. So I'm interested to see how he tests. 
I think he's going to knock it out of the park in the drills. I think so. Yeah. And, and quick, if he does the cones and things of that nature at his size. Look, man, this is the, what is that commercial? The insurance commercial with the older guy. You almost had it. Yeah. It, yeah? That, yeah. That's been Jason Adamiola his entire career at Notre Dame. I swear he's broken through the line with his quickness and just missed making the tackle yeah. or getting the sack in the backfield so many times in Notre Dame. Like, and that's Sean, who, do you remember in 2021, the first play of the USC game where he was playing edge and he forklifted the offensive tackle and got yes. a sack on the first play of the game? Like, so much talent there, man. There really yeah. is. Yeah. And it, it's, it's hard to overlook, right? It's just hard to overlook because there will be some defensive linemen that will be in the war room and say, look, we can really mold this guy. Like, yep. and have a comp to talk to his general manager. Like and his coach is saying, "Yo, this is who he is." Like I promise you, if we get him in camp or we get him into our system, he's going to turn into a really good starter for us because he has the talent to be an impact player. He has the talent to be an impact player, at least a rotational player. He definitely has a. He definitely has a. Not what I'm not saying all pro. That's not what I'm sure. saying. But no, he can that. make an impact in the league as a rotational player. Yeah, he should sure. be on an inside rotation and make plays 25 to 30 snaps a game. Absolutely. There's a lot, there's a lot less talented defensive linemen in the NFL that have, have garnered substantial roles on their defensive line. But I think the one thing, Sean, that all those defensive linemen have that kind of just find a niche is that they're consistent at it. Right. And I think that that's the yeah. one thing about Jason that you look at and say, Jason's talented for sure. He had production at times for sure. Is he consistent? That's uh, my question mark. Yeah, but I think that he has a chance because again, he's physically gifted, man. I yeah. think he's going to come 285 plus pounds. Won't be surprised if he runs sub five in the 40. Wouldn't be surprised if he has a decent vertical, decent broad. Like he's a talented kid, man. There was a reason that he was so highly touted coming out of St. Peter's Prep in New Jersey. Like there's a reason for that. Yeah, he has versatility, right? Yep, he has big time versatility. And really, I don't think he's stuck to a system. No. I think he can play 4-3. He can play 3-4. You can put him at in at 3-4, in my opinion. Based upon what you just said from that first snap against USC. So I don't think it's something to where he's, you know, kind of boxed into. I think there are a lot of teams that can look at him with different defensive systems and can see value in that. You know, I, I, I can see – maybe six round down depending upon his testing and his meetings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's possible he gets drafted, but again, you know, it's going to be about the understanding of consistency, but I think that he has a chance to get drafted. I do. It's just, he's one of those players, Sean, that you're just always going to wonder what if at Notre Dame, you know, like what if he hit his ceiling? What if he hit his upside? He had more production in him. And my, my biggest question, Mark, and some people are gonna, probably going to push back on this a little bit, but I think for me, Jason Adamalola is best served as a penetration-style three technique in a four-man front. I agree. But in order to be that role, Sean, you got to finish plays, man. You got to yes. finish some plays, and he doesn't yes. finish enough plays. That's kind of yeah. the, the inconsistency. I mean, but you see it, man. It's there. There's flashes. Yeah. It's all there. I think Jason has the opportunity to have a big performance. I actually think he is going to have a big performance. Like I have questions about 
you know, if, if Brandon Joseph is going to test again and really show out. And there's a couple other guys in this list. Like, I legitimately have questions of how athletic they're going to be. Yeah. But Jason Abelolo is one that I don't really have question marks athletically. Like, I'm going to look at him and I'm going to say, yep, you tested really well. Like, everyone expected you to because yeah. everyone knows you're a good athlete. Yeah. Justin Adam Malola is a little bit of a different cat, Sean. Obviously, he went into the pros. He did have one more year of eligibility if he wanted to choose it, whether that was at Notre Dame or at a different school as a grad transfer. I'm interested to see how he tests, Sean. I, I don't have high expectations, to be honest. I think that he is just a little bit of an undersized defensive end who's a really good technician but not a great athlete. That's just kind of my opinion of Justin Amalola. I think he got a lot out of his talent level at Notre Dame, though. I mean, what did he have, like four and a half, five sacks in 2021? Like, he had some production. I just – I'm struggling to see him do anything at the pro day athletically to really yeah. pop for anyone. He had a really good bowl game. He yeah. had a good Gator Bowl. Had a really good Gator Bowl. And his decision to forego his last year eligibility was a bit of a shock. But at the same time, you know, his journey has usually been linked with his brother. And that journey continues on to the NFL. Free agency, you know. Um, and tomorrow is an opportunity for him to get in front of all of the teams and, you know, practice squad, special teams. I mean, that's that's the journey of guys like Justin Almiola to finally make it into the NFL or make it onto a roster. So, yeah, I mean, I hope, I, I hope, I hope well. I'm wrong. I hope, I hope I'm wrong, man. Well. I, hope, I hope he pops. I hope he does really well. I hope that he tests a lot better than I think. Because if he does test better, Sean, that's going to ease evaluators' minds of like, oh, there might be more upside there than maybe I anticipated. Like that's going to yeah. pop in people's minds, right? So mm-hmm. Justin Amalou is another one that's going to be interesting. Josh Lug, Sean, he's another one that I want to see him in the position drills. I don't expect Josh Lug to <laughs> test outstanding in no. any of the combine test stuff, but I expect him to do I, – I hope that he does a really good job in the field drills, shows comfort moving in space a little bit, moving laterally – pass pro drills, on the move. Like, I just want him to have a really solid day because I think that he'll be in a camp for sure. It's just about can Josh Lug stick in a on a team or is he a little bit limited in that regard? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm so – I worry about his feet. So yes. talk about the drills, I really worry about his feet. Same. And whether or not the drills will expose his feet. So – no, you, I'm wishing for the best for Josh Lug. Um, he has NFL size. He you does. know, if he can just make it onto a practice squad roster, add depth, whatever. Most most of the time, Notre Dame guys, if they can just get in. The Sam Mustafer was in a similar situation. And then he got into the Bears camp and they were just marveling at how smart, like, oh, man, this dude is really smart. This dude is really and, smart. And he had that Harry Heastan stamp of approval. Stamp of approval, yeah. absolutely. And so Josh Lug, you know, I'm hoping that he gets the same opportunity because if you get him into camp, he's probably going to be one of the smartest guys on your offensive line and impress and then have an opportunity to add to the depth in the rotation. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's just a little bit of an odd player, Sean, because he's tall. He's really tall. 
Yeah. But then he has short arms and he doesn't have great feet. So like that's a very weird combination, you know? <laughs> like he looks like an offensive tackle just from like the height perspective. Yeah. But then dude, he has like 31 something odd inch arms. Like he doesn't yeah. have much length at all. So just a little bit of a weird player, but I hope the best for Josh. I I don't th- I think that we didn't give Josh enough credit for what he gave as far as consistency this year yeah. throughout most of the season, but I think he was a very solid player for Notre Dame last year. Couple other guys, Sean, that we're not going to get as much into, but will we believe will be in some form of attendance? I talked about Houston Griffith a little bit already. You know, what does he look like as far as testing? You know, is Blake Ruby going to be kicking it all? I'm not sure. We haven't gotten like the full scope of who's going to be participating. You mentioned Chris Smith. Is Chris Smith going to be a guy that just is moving around and see what he can do at the defensive tackle position? Not guys that we're going to be focusing heavily on. But certainly guys to keep an eye on. Is Bo Bauer going to be healthy? You know, there's a yeah. couple guys that you just kind of wind things out to just keep a close eye on. If you're not Well, game. Chris Smith has that Harvard degree. I think either way, he'll be okay. <laughs> Harvard degree. Then he goes to the University of Notre Dame. He's a bigger guy too, Sean. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if a team's like, eh, we'll give you a look in a camp. Like, we'll give you a look. You know what I mean? Hey, like, for the most part, he played pretty well. He did. In, in spot opportunities, I thought Chris Smith, he did a lot more than I thought he was going to do when he first came over from Harvard. Like I thought it was just a pure depth player, not much else type of thing. But he uh, he gave him some reps, man. I give yeah. Chris Smith all the credit, man. He did a good job for Notre Dame, in my opinion. He did a very good job for Notre Agreed. Dame. But NFL future? Probably not. But regardless, good opportunity for him to potentially test at the pro day if that's what his choice is. So, Sean, that's going to kind of wrap this up, though. That's kind of a little bit of our pro day, mm-hmm. a little bit of our pro day premier, uh, primer, I guess is what we'll call it. Sean Davis will be there. Brian Driscoll will be there. I think Sean Styers will be there, but don't quote me on that one. So make sure to stay tuned to irishbreakdown.com tomorrow because there will be a lot of analysis. I look forward to seeing all the testing numbers because everybody here knows that I'm a little bit obsessive over the NFL draft sphere, so I can't wait to see some of the tests. Don't go anywhere because we're going to get into a little bit of a recruiting roundup, a little bit of a recap, and get you all ready for what is a very important week or important few days, weekend of recruiting. And because Notre Dame, part of the spring practice, they're going to have several guys on campus. They had one yesterday. They're going to have several on Friday. And then on Saturday, they're also going to have a litter of very talented recruits in both in the 2024 and 2024 recruiting class. That's next. Before we get over there, just like button, subscribe to the podcast, share this podcast. We also really much appreciate it. Five-star reviews on your favorite podcast platform. Tell a friend about Irish Breakdown Podcast.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.